We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime and Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz. Sean, week 11, one day away from the Sunday slate, we are excited to see how our teams do this week. It feels like every week feels uh, pivotal, pivotal, every week seems pivotal in uh, your fantasy league, I guess, for everyone, but the... Uh, the high stakes leagues they tend to feel that way <laughs> a lot more often and i think there's a couple of leagues we we talked about it in tuesday's show the the true zero rb team that we have um is you know getting itself into position but it also feels like it's one loss or one low scoring week away from the end as well so these last two weeks particularly at the ffpc for anyone involved in leagues there uh two very very key weeks to make the playoffs so hopefully things are going to play out in the right way for us but we are uh, going to talk through a number of scenarios on today's show some of them that will actually affect maybe how we set our lineups on those rosters but yeah it's uh it's exciting as we get close to those playoffs especially when there's there's teams on the running it is and we haven't mentioned the rvot listener leagues for a couple of episodes we want to throw those in congrats to all the guys doing well in them uh column what, you're obviously not saying congratulations to us there sean <laughs> well we're in second in one of them right in one of them. In one. and so we need it's a pivotal week because we need to win that one to balance out the results or our reputation the rest of them right well you know <laughs> <laughs> yes so we're 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 fighting back in that one we're going to win one of the listener leagues the other ones we are are not going to win so We'll try and come in the top 11, though, if we can. We're, oh, yes. We're going to try and come in the top 11 in the other listener leagues. It is, it is again, we mentioned it is kind of funny. And I talked at, at sort of at length with Ben about this because we've been discussing some zero RB tactics, how these things play out. Ben is back up to first place in the Scott Fishbowl 
uh, with his zero RB team there, you know, our zero RB team, the extreme zero RB team is back up into the playoffs. And it's one of these elements where team construction is so important and it's so easy to miss some of those elements. And Colin, we were pushed off of the wide receivers in the listener leagues because the listeners know what's up and they they were drafting all of these great guys and so you then you see the running backs at multiple round values and you're like you know i these receivers and we're to the point in some of the leagues where it kind of flipped right the win the flex tool demonstrates that you need to go receiver and you need to have your team built number one that you dominate the flexes and number two that you have the depth i think that some people consider winning the flex to kind of fill that flex position so you have your starting lineup build out both in redraft and then definitely in best ball with the optimized lineups winning the flex means having the firepower to dominate and score tons of points at those positions it doesn't mean that you got a fourth guy that you could slide in there that's not enough you're going to have buys you're going to have injuries you're going to have unfortunately, some off the field types of things, you have to hammer your opponents in these slots and you have to do it across a lot of leagues. And it doesn't mean that you're going to win every single one, but your win rate above what the expectation would be is going to be crazy if you do that consistently across leagues, which is one of the reasons that we're in such good shape in terms of the different main events and that type of thing, despite plenty of injuries and, and other types of things befalling our teams like they befall all the teams. And so that element of it, I think is interesting because when we look at these listener leagues and you go back and you look at the draft boards and where our teams went and being forced into a position where, I mean, even though when the flex is like, Oh, you know, this running back is actually going to score more points than the wide receiver because this running back is now three or four rounds below ADP. The wide receiver is three or four rounds above ADP. My comment to people would just be, that's how far off, the board is in so many of these leagues. That's why fantasy football is exploitable. You can see it in the listener leagues with some of the results here where, I mean, it's just, it's not something where you can be like, Oh, well, we'll pivot to running back and get the points that way. It doesn't work. So we can grats to all the listeners who are beating us there because they are, are definitely doing it. And like we said, we have one team that is in the mix and it's in the mix because of Leonard Fournette. <laughs> That maybe is the very worst development of this entire thing. So, yeah, maybe, maybe we don't want to win that league. <laughs> we'll see. That's worse than finishing 12. Play, playoff Lenny for championship. Playoff Lenny, yep. Yeah. But um, yeah, today we're going to dive into some players maybe who were hoping a playoff farm coming up here, but didn't have playoff farm, I guess, um, in the last week. And the tight end position is always one of those where it can be a little bit tricky, um, you know. We, we see players who maybe we think are going to have the opportunity. We like their talent, for example, and things sometimes just don't fall into place in the right way. And, and vice versa, sometimes it really falls into place in the right way. And in certain games and certain circumstances this season, it has fallen into place for these guys we're going to talk about today. But somebody who I wanted to mention, Sean, and solely down to uh, you and the conversations we had around the draft and that, and somebody who has had some really nice games this season as a rookie tight end as pat fairmouth is pretty much if I, if I go through my uh best ball rosters and a lot of uh the the teams i drafted this year is pretty much my third tight end on all those teams so he's somebody who things are are looking pretty good for so i i have to say that's uh something that you really put me on this season and um, so hopefully he can continue that um see is true in some rosters but there is leagues where these guys we're going to talk about are kind of the guys you invested in, the guys that 
you think um you know they have that upside for those weeks and there's situations where i've started both hawkinson and gasecki over uh fairmouth those um you know so they're obviously i've given away two of the players we're going to talk about but um hawkinson this past week um and a lot of it down basically to Goff had the injury they didn't pass the ball at all really after that point and they give a huge amount of carries to both swift and and their other running backs as well but hawkinson coming up with a zero this week mike gasecki coming up with a zero this week we did talk about gasecki early in the season and we were wondering what his total points were he had a run then of really very positive uh points per game and i think that's what's coming here i think both of these are a blip on the overall radar unfortunately this is something that can happen with tight ends but they're the first two i want to head on at the tight end position before we move on to another big name tight end but those two guys are you kind of rolling them back in with 100 confidence this week into those lineups or let's just play devil's advocate you have a, a firemouth on your bench are you tempted to do that swap out and, and put put him in there ahead of those guys well i'm looking at the the headlines for jerry goff and they're all about uh the, the the one here that's my favorite is Jerry Goff ripped by Terrell Pryor, barely endorsed by coach. So I, I mean, Jerry Goff is is struggling, right? He's he's not an NFL starting quarterback, and it makes it difficult for the offense to be successful here. Now we had some weather conditions that were also not particularly conducive to the passing game. They fit much more with what the Lions wanted to do in the run and you know sometimes you can get away from understanding the full context or calling the plays that you really need to win the game when you have as much success running as the lions did early with jamar jefferson one of our favorites breaking out for the long touchdown run with deandre swift really just shredding the steelers defense in the first half in the first half i mean he looked like yeah, a top three or four running back in the NFL. And we talk about Swift all the time as being a sort of a top five fantasy running back, but so much of that is predicated on the fact that he is a fantastic receiver. And I mean, he's going to get a lot of receiving volume based on how their offense is structured. It's not necessarily that he's a top five uh, skill player at this point, although we think he can develop into that. And so you're kind of playing both elements, the talent and the situation in the first half of this game, he looked like one of these guys where, I mean, he's he's all the way there. He looked like an absolute star. And then you put him in the situation in the second half where, I mean, when everybody knows you're just going to hand it off up the middle and there are three defensive linemen in the backfield, uh, you can't even get going, right? Especially when the footing isn't that great. So what the Lions did there was unfortunate. They still had the chance to win. They should have made the field goal. They should be a team in the win column as opposed to just not completely in the loss column. But, I mean, this was a very specific type of game. And you go back and look at the previous three games, Hawkinson averaging 10 targets over that span. I mean, when you've got 30 targets as a tight end over the previous three games, then you're a must-start. And Hawkinson also a big-time, big-time talent. And so I think you have to stick with him when you look at some of the other teams. And you mentioned Pat Fryermuth. He's on all of these teams that I have with Blair in best ball. And those teams are doing extremely well, right? So the best ball teams are doing great. The best ball tools worked extremely well for us. It really was just running into the juggernaut of the listeners that was a problem. All of the other teams doing extremely well. That's because they're using the tools on the side. <laughs> uh, cheating, right? You can't use the tools against us. 
you look at the Steelers and you have Friar Muth as someone who, I mean, he's going to be a top, I mean, he's going to be the next Kelsey, right? A couple of years from now when they have a new quarterback. <laughs> Mason Rudolph was a disaster in his stint. Again, that's a tough game. The weather, the field, all of those things weren't conducive to passing. But we know that while Jerry Goff is not a legitimate NFL starter, Mason Rudolph is not a legitimate NFL backup. And then I mean, you look at the fact that even within that situation, he's not that much worse than Ben Roethlisberger is right now. And so I, the Steelers offense is not one that I think that we can feel comfortable betting on a rookie tight end when we have a potential high volume guy. So Fryermuth is somebody that I played last week, even in the flex spot in a few places when teams you know, were struggling with the bye week. He is somebody that I really like. He's going to score some points. You know, we may have another multi-touchdown game this season, but guys like Hawkinson, Gasicki, Gasicki, the other person you have on the sheet here, that was a frustrating one. It is encouraging, I think, that Tua will be back. Brissett really struggled in this game and hurt him. Gasicki was still getting some very high-value targets in this one. And so, I mean, this was a zero-point game that could have easily been a 20-point game. And I think with that being the framework for how we have to decide going forward, then I feel more confident. One of the things that you and I have is we have a lot of Gasicki fan teams. And so uh, this would have been a situation where even though Albert O is really cutting into fans target volume and not even so much the kind of median outcome, but the ceiling outcome for Fant there being knocked down by having Judy back, by having his tight end running mate back. We probably would have been in a situation where we would have considered flipping it to Fant this week, but he's on the buy. And so we have Gasicki in one more week. We can see kind of how that goes. I think you just have to keep running Gasicki out there. He's been hot. He's been cold. We know that the Dolphins offense is not going to be particularly reliable, but when they don't have Will Fuller and they don't have Devontae Parker, I mean, this is the Waddle and Gasicki show. And so you have that blow up opportunity at any moment with him. You really need that at the tight end position. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO21. That's RVRADIO21, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
I did tease Sean. We do have one more tight end we are going to talk about. We're going to do that in a second. You mentioned Terrell Pryor, and when you mentioned him, I just had to go back and have a little bit of a run uh, through his career in general. A really unusual career starting as a quarterback. Has the longest quarterback run in NFL history, then eventually pivots to wide receiver. Um, I was just looking up. He has nine touchdowns as a quarterback and seven receiving touchdowns. Um, a really strange career overall, but... I guess he's getting in the, the news now by taking shots at Jared Goff. So we'll see where he ends up um, in the future. But Sean, the other guy that I did want to mention was Darren Waller, somebody who we love the talent, we love the player, we kind of love the situation, but it just really hasn't worked out for him, too, especially to the level where we were hoping. Like I had a, a couple of the FFPC um the best ball tournaments that they had um and in those there's a few of those i think as high as spot four i might have taken um darren waller um so it hasn't really worked out to that that scenario so when we're looking at the guys who went kind of gaseki was in that 10th round range hawkinson probably in the fifth round range Fant was in the kind of sixth or seventh and unfortunately logan thomas was in that range too also but got injured probably the one that's returning the most value at the moment outside of kelsey having his big week this past week is probably mark andrews but you know we had kelsey with the injury so it's been a mixed bag for the tight end position but waller was one that we had a lot of hope in to have a, a massive continuation of his breakout but it, what's your thoughts on on waller moving forward waller has been disappointing but it's a situation where it's still kind of all within context if you use the first round pick on him which is what you had to do in 2021 then you're going to be struggling a little bit if the rest of your team isn't fantastic. If the rest of your team is built the way that we recommend and you've hit on some of these guys, I mean, so many of our teams have, you know, multiple pieces with Chase and Samuel and Jefferson Lamb, those types of receivers. If you have that stacked in and then you have the zero running back pieces coming through like they've come through so well this year, then I think you have to be excited that you still have him going forward, right? Because this is a tight end who, despite how disappointing it's been, he has a tight end one finish in six of the eight weeks. And so now he's coming off of his worst game of the season there. And it's especially frustrating because the Chiefs defense up until the last couple of games has been very, very exploitable. And so you're looking at that as an opportunity for one of these games that really pulls him back up to the type of scoring that we expect. But in tight end premium, just a tick under 16 points per game. When you look at what the other tight ends are going to generally be giving you, you, know, you still have this field tilting type of presence there. Now, the other thing that I would say is that a couple of weeks ago, we had a game where he had three end zone targets. None of them were converted. Two of the three were very close. And so I think this is just a, a matter of time and that we're going to see another 30 plus point game like he had in week one. They're struggling a little bit. The identity there with the entire team, it's difficult to evaluate the Raiders because they've had so many things that are so serious happen in such quick succession. And it's just going to take some time to work through that, right? We have Brian Edwards playing a lot now. He had the several big plays early and then kind of disappears from this game. They have Hunter Renfro as the underneath piece. You know, he's kind of their Cole Beasley, Wes Welker-ish type of player. I mean, he's not to the Wes Welker level, but he's giving Derek Carr this underneath option. They're running the ball okay with Josh Jacobs. 
They have Kenyon Drake creating a handful of big plays here and there. It's something now where without Gruden and with things shifting without their vertical receiver, they have Deshaun Jackson in this game. He gets open for the long pass, just like we expect. I mean, we don't want to pile on too much, but if you had to make a prediction for what Deshaun Jackson would do on his first play, I mean, one of the first things you would think would be like 50 yard catch with a fumble, right? I mean, that's, that's Deshaun Jackson in a nutshell. And so they have some of the pieces here. And I think that Jackson will give them that vertical element to at least keep defenses a little bit more honest. One of the things we talk about a lot with the wide receivers that we like with some of these tight ends that we like, like a Travis Kelsey is that you really do want two pieces so that you can keep the defense off of a game plan of just exclusively taking away your guy. And that's, you know, one of the things that we have seen a little bit in terms of the Hawkinson question that you had asked earlier, where they just don't have anything else. And so sometimes the defenses really are crouched on him. He talked about how after his fast start, he's dealing with all these double teams, all this extra defensive attention. They kind of schemed around that. I mentioned that he'd had that three game stretch with the 10 target average. Even within that, some of those targets were pretty low value in that, they were either very close to the line of scrimmage or he was covered when the ball came his way. And so some of those targets are knocked away. Some of them, even when he catches it, he's target, he's tackled immediately. I mean, you'd like to get your guy free to, to run a little bit in some of these situations. The Raiders are struggling through some of those things as well, much more than the Lions. I mean, Hawkinson's volume is a little bit closer to what we want in some ways. With Darren Waller, I think that we're going to see the efficiency. We have the upside of an absolute star because even though none of the individual pieces around him are impressive at all, they are at least borderline starting NFL players. And then Derek Carr, obviously a huge upgrade on what you're getting from Jared Goff. So I think that the situation going forward, then the other little thing there, as I mentioned, the situation going forward is that the schedule is very, very good. Right. And so we could see a little bit of a schedule fueled bump down the stretch as well. He might be somebody that you could get in a trade in dynasty where even a competing team maybe wants to swap out an older tight end and one who's no longer in the situation that they thought he was in for a similar piece that maybe doesn't have that star upside and so there are some things that you can do there with waller that might really play out to your advantage over the last third of the season yeah just one other thing to touch on on the tight end position uh, something we did talk about a couple of weeks ago sean uh, was the patriots um tight end situation and um Obviously, this past week, um, Jono Smith did miss out with injury, but I did kind of mention in that that every time Hunter Henry caught the ball, he seemed to be five yards into the end zone. So, you know, there was a situation where we were seeing a lot of opportunities, well, not a lot, but opportunities for yards after the catch for Smith, but we weren't really seeing that with Henry. But every time Henry caught the ball, he was in the end zone. So we've seen that continue over the last couple of weeks. So we'll see how long that continues. But I seen some uh, stats earlier this week showing pretty much Hunter Henry is on pace for the same season as we seen from um, Robert Tunyon last year for the Packers. So kind of high high touchdown, low target share, you know, a lot of end zone uh, work going his way. So he might be somebody of, of interest as well for people looking for somebody um, towards the end of the season on, on those rosters. But Sean, we have a listener question to finish up and we'd like to try and add these in on Saturday shows when we have the opportunity. Um, David Coffin sent in 
a question. So he's four and six. He's wondering, though, should he go for it? So we did mention on one of the shows earlier this week, I believe it was the Tuesday show, that um, you know some of the leagues that if you're four or six, five and five, you're still really in the mix with how flat some of the, the leagues are in terms of wins and losses this year. So he does mention 12-team leagues, six teams currently, or six teams make the playoffs, so 50% are making it in there. He said he's currently the eighth seed, but only one game behind the sixth seed, which is five and five. It's 24-man roster, PPR league, five points per touchdown, passing or throwing. He's saying that he's kind of considering going for it to try and win this uh, this season, but a good show, Sean, to add it into. He thinks he might need to upgrade at tight end to do that. He's saying, is he crazy to try and send out um, his first for Kelsey, uh, for sorry, send a first for Kelsey when he's four and six. So, Looking at his roster overall, I'll just shout out the names he has. He has Derek Carr, Tyrod Taylor, Russell Wilson. So he's pretty solid there at the quarterbacks. Um, he has Salvin Ahmed, Giovanni Bernard, Branton Bolden, Rex Burkhead, Najee Harris, Chubba Hubbard, Jeremy McNichols, Rashid Penny, Sam P. Ryan. He has Keyshawn Vaughn, Tyson Williams, AJ Brown, Dinami Brown. He has all the Browns. He's Marquise Brown. He has Amari Cooper, Russell Gates, Jarvis Landry, Mike Kosicki, Dallas Goddard. Um, and then we're into kickers and defenses. He does have some big names on injured reserve starting the season with Cam Akers on injured reserve. He has Raheem Mozart on injured reserve, Julio Jones, then Calvin Ridley. So number of players there. Um, obviously, we hope Calvin Ridley um, is, is you know heading in the right direction with his time off the field. We never know. He could potentially be back this season, but kind of, I'm sure we're kind of planning for that not to happen. Um, in terms, Sean, of the overall roster, the interesting question is, his question is, should he go for it? But the other part of the question is, upgrade and tight end. Now, my opinion, obviously Kelsey's older, but if you can get him for a first round pick, might be very, very tempting. But we're also looking at that specific area of the question, I guess, along with, do you think the roster can make the run? But we have Gasecki and Goddard there, who have, although last week was a, a very disappointing week for them have had pretty pretty sustainable fantasy seasons at the tight end position this is the tricky one right because you have kelsey who in this year's startups again went in the range where it was more than what a future first round pick would buy and so kelsey at a first round pick represents a discount in some ways there at the same time if you don't get to use him for the full season and he'll be a year older his you know, trade value could be a little bit down based on uh, number one, just the age and concerns that people have that he could fall off the cliff at any moment. But also he had a stretch this season you know, during the chief struggles where he himself didn't play that well. He is obviously the tight end one. He gives you that massive upside. I guess I would be reluctant to kind of move away from the sort of mid-career tight ends that you have there in terms of Kasicki and Goddard. Goddard in a tricky situation where not only do we talk about how the Eagles have no passing volume, but, you know, now with the concussion, it's a question of, you know, when will he be back? I, I'm always very much hoping that the teams are airing and the – doctors who have to make the call on these things are erring on the side of being very conservative with brain health and so you know we don't know how that could linger for goddard there even when he is available though you know 
if your offense doesn't pass and then Devontae Smith has emerged as this target vacuum, then then where is the upside? I do think that will change. We just talked about Gasicki. Gasicki is on this team. You know, I would probably prefer to risk it there and maybe try and use that first round pick to even upgrade, say, at the running back position. I mean, the running back two here uh, might be a little bit of an issue. And if you got the right guy, then maybe you could get back out of him for even you know a higher pick next season. Of course, you're going to have a better idea of exactly what the market is for some of the different positions if you've done a lot of trading in this league yourself. So those elements come into play. My first thought is that there might be some things you could do to move some of the players who are on IR or move some of the healthy players and kind of prep this team for 2022 when the guys come back, when you have Akers, when you have Ridley, when you have Goddard, probably in a more favorable passing environment. And then you have a team that is one of the best teams for the 2022 season. And maybe you've been able to sell some guys. But one of the things that we see a lot in Dynasty, and, and it occasionally works, but you see a lot of teams trying to sell players who are at the very kind of last gasp in terms of what their on-field value is. And then their trade value is about to go to zero. They want to move them before that happens. Well, that makes sense. You do want to move those guys before it happens. At the same time, if you're really wanting to inject a bunch of new talent into your team, get younger, get more flexible, create more optionality, then you actually have to move pieces that are peak pieces in some way, shape, or form. So you get a lot more back. And so I always encourage people, like if you want to switch your team around, don't be afraid to sell players who actually have value because they'll they'll change your team around a lot faster. I think it's kind of human nature to think, okay, I'm going to build around these guys who are very good and are young or young-ish. When in fact, if you want to build a juggernaut, if you want to build a team that is always in that top three or four group, then it's actually those pieces you want to move because they bring so much back and they create more pathways to victory. Whereas when you sit on the players that you have who are in the, again, kind of peak range, then you're kind of locking yourself into to what that team is. Instead of building around them, move them and build something amazing. So each individual team has some different needs. The situation in each league is a little bit different. What you're competing with is going to be a little bit different, but that's probably the way that I would go there. It doesn't necessarily seem to me like this is a team that has had enough good fortune to be one player away, especially you know if that puts Gasicki back on the bench and then he has a couple of blow-up spots here the rest of the way, you know, you kind of regret that element of it. It's not the case where I mean it's definitely a situation where Travis Kelsey is going to outscore him either way. I mean he's going to upgrade your roster and, and maybe you can just get right back out of him for a first round pick the following season. And so that's something to consider. I think you could go both ways. This one though is not a clear cut decision, at least for me, like a lot of the trade questions are where we're, you know, very much in the manner of, you know, let's go for this. Let's make this trade. Colin, do you like Kelsey here enough to pull the trigger? I think as a, in, in terms of standalone, if you can get Travis Kelsey for a, say a 2022 first round pick in dynasty, I think that makes a lot of sense. But I think based on Gasecki, based on Goddard, 
I, I, if it was me personally, I would be sitting with what I currently have. A couple of questions that I would, would send. This hasn't come in with the information for David, but I would imagine we're possibly looking at Superflex based on the fact that we have Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, and Taylor. If it's a single quarterback league, I'd probably be looking to potentially move Wilson or Carr to you know, go with the single quarterback. If you're looking to move pieces, potentially more veteran quarterbacks, if it is a single quarterback league, the other part, Sean, that I would say you said about upgrading the running back, I would agree that the running back area is going to be a bit of a challenge, but I think it could be patched together. Um, you know, hopefully maybe we get some sparks out of Tayson Williams here with Le'Veon Bell being uh, released, but um, we do have players also, this is, two parts i'm going to mention i would probably look to see if there's an option to move that first into a wide receiver to strengthen the wide receiver depth we do have aj brown we have marty cooper with marquise brown and jarvis landry and i think they're kind of the rotation that you're going to be starting but it's probably going to be a situation where you're starting three off those four you might be able to move somebody else in there or maybe even work something in with like a, a cooper and something for maybe a slightly younger uh wide receiver to mix in there but my my question sean for you is the guys on the the bench or on the injured reserve like a cam makers is is that something that he could potentially leverage in to trying to like any leagues that i have at the moment where i'm not in stage where i get into the playoffs this year i think it's it's not going to make it in 2021 i'm targeting people's players on injured reserve because i don't need them this year and they're probably trying to get something back for them in some situations would you be looking to move the likes of a cam makers for a running back who's currently available maybe of a lesser caliber than acres i think the injured reserve players are very interesting because their values are going to be so different across multiple leagues and so if someone is willing to sell the injured reserve players at what you consider to be a pretty significant discount, then I would be in there buying. There are also players I think you can sell, even if you're maybe not about to win your league, because there is still plenty of risk with all of these injured guys. And so if you can sell the name on someone and get back a similar healthy player, then you want to do that. I mean, I think the acres value has to be rising a little bit over the last couple of weeks because Henderson has finally hit a little bit of a lull and we're seeing, okay, well maybe, the gap there really does exist. I mean, Henderson has been impressive. We talk all the time about how he's one of the best guys in the NFL in terms of getting to the hole and through the hole without being slowed down, being able to create these, uh, you know, sort of mini wow runs, you know, gash the opposing defense for seven yards, eight yards, 10 yards, 15 yards. And to do that, you have to have the straight line speed to get into space. He does that very well. There may be some other things where he's not as strong. And sometimes if you're not breaking a lot of tackles, if you're not an incredibly dynamic receiver, he's fine as a receiver, but not someone where you're receiving a lot of touches to him in that area of the game, then, you know, the coach can go away from you like they did in this last situation. In part, it seemed like they were blown out so early that, you know, they don't want to get him hurt. They're going to use Sonny Michelle a little bit to just kind of get through that one. But not seeing him continue his run means that it's going to just tweak acres value that little bit. And so, yeah, anybody who is on IR, I think you ought to be asking questions and seeing how you can structure trades to take advantage of mismatch in prices, right? It's not necessarily that they're a clear buyer, clear sell, but if you're in 10 leagues, you know, 
go through and, and figure out if maybe there are five you need to buy, five you need to sell. I mean, in order to, to sell it a lot, obviously you would have to have had a high exposure to that player to start with. So it's not a matter of, you know, you can necessarily sell these players that you don't have. But like a Will Fuller, for example, is going to be somebody who is on a lot of our rosters. It would be interesting to see what he buys in a lot of leagues and then in the leagues where you don't have him in my experience uh will fuller nobody seems to want him <laughs> he's on a few of my rosters will fuller come on fuller is going to be back he's going to have a uh, 200 might be a be a butt much he's gonna have a 194 yard two touchdown game before this is all over column tua is going to make his little push at the end of the season here try and put his stamp on this team and maintain himself as a starting quarterback in the NFL and not lose this position to uh, Deshaun Watson or when Deshaun Watson goes to Philadelphia, not lose his position to Jalen Hurts. I mean, that would be not the storyline you want, right? I mean, you you take Hurts' job at Alabama and then you lose your job to him at Miami. Two is going to put a little bit of a, a burst on here. We're going to see the Dolphins making a run. They have the Ravens upset. They're about to go on. Uh, a winning streak the dolphins are going to be one of those sleeper teams over the second half of the season yeah hopefully because um you know we, we even have a couple of leagues that redraft leagues on where we've held them all season long so if we get anything from them at this point it's going to be uh, a bonus but that's going to take us to the end of our third show of the week as always drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app we do appreciate that a lot and uh, if you are looking to sign up, if you're still sitting on the fence, you haven't signed up for a road of his NFL pass at this point, we're 11 weeks into the season. It's still a perfect time. Sean's going through some of his dynasty thoughts there on today's show, but you'll get content that'll cover you for dynasty, for season long, for DFS, for everything, and get you through the playoffs, get you into next season, the NFL draft, and so much more. Sign up today, use the code RVRADIO2021. That saves you 10% off the subscription price. You can go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast as well for further information. Make sure you're checking out all of Sean's other shows with Ben Gretz. That is Stealing Bananas. I know if you're listening to this show, I'm sure you've listened in as well to Stealing Bananas. Make sure you subscribe to both of the podcast feeds. We do appreciate that a lot. You'll get Sean pretty much each and every day of the week listening there. And of course, you'll get Ben Gretz as well and his fantastic content as well in stealing signals my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and my co-host as i mentioned is sean siegel until we're back with another show best of luck in week 11 have a good one thank you for listening to overtime and road of his radio please rate and review the road of his radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at road of his radio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at road of his radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to road of his with a discount through the road of his radio homepage road forward slash podcast